Welcome to Torah Smash, the podcast for nerdy Jews, where our lives of Jewish learning collide with our love of nerd culture. In each episode, we discuss what we lovingly call a Torah Smash, which we have defined as a beautiful collision of one thing from the world of Judaism with another from nerd culture. I am RDY, and joining me today are Barack Malkin, Ethan Lane Miller. It is very exciting to be able to talk about this particular topic today. And we're going to start on the nerd side. There is a movie that came out recently and uh, was very, very recently on streaming services to the time that we're recording. And it is called Everything Everywhere All at Once. Yes. It also won two Golden Globes like a week or two ago. Yes. So it won Golden Globes. I hope it wins some Academy Awards. It absolutely deserves it. Huge Michelle Yeoh fan. Huge. Ugh. And I've been, uh, and we're going to, I'm going to say it, the name this time and hope that we're correct. And our viewers, especially if if you uh, have the ability to, to use this language, please correct us. Kehui Kwan. I have been a fan of his since Indiana Jones and The Goonies, two of my favorite movies as well. And just so exciting to have him back. He was so good. And he was, as a kid actor, as a child actor, was incredible in each of those movies. Mm-hmm. And who I, I know there was somebody specific who reached out to him and said, "We, you should come back. Like He was interested once Crazy Rich Agents had aired. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, okay, there's a space for for Chinese actors again that aren't just these stereotypical, let's make fun of the Chinese actor roles. And he was incredible in this movie. And I am so excited. I see that he's uh, his IMDb shows that he's going to be in uh, the next season of Loki, it looks like. And I'm so excited. He was so good. I am too. And I actually read that the role was written with Jackie Chan in mind. No, the role oh. of Michelle Yao's character, Evelyn, the main character was written for Jackie Chan. And Thank then they you. changed the entire story for the female lead. I think Jackie Chan, I, I don't know if he would have done a great job as Waymond. Like, he's a great actor. I love him. But this swapping in and out of personalities, the, I yeah, don't know he, if Jackie yeah. would have nailed it. And I am I am a huge Jackie Chan. I When I was in high school, I wrote a Jackie Chan ballad. Ballad, <laughs> uh, like a Jackie Chan ode, an ode to Jackie Chan song. Of that, that is I... also very delightfully nerdy. We'll, yeah. we'll have to talk online because I used to, I used to watch all the old stuff: Fearless Hyena, Drunken Master. Yeah, my my cleaning person used to bring me her son's VHS tapes of all of the Jackie Chan movies that he owned, and so I'd seen all of his old stuff. Huge fan. I think that Gay Kwan did. He does go by Jonathan. Okay, if he if he goes by Jonathan, that Jonathan Kwan did an amazing job in this role, and I, I I'm so happy. Yeah, wonderful. I agree. And also James Hong, um, yeah, who, who's Gong Gong. He's been acting for a long time, um, in all tons and tons and tons of movies. Some with Jackie Chan, and yeah, I've been in the Russo brothers. Like so many, so many great people involved in this. And Wait, the Russo brothers are involved in this? They produced it. Oh, so, okay. Mm. Um, no, it's a great movie. So, I'm so excited we're talking about this. Me too. And so we're going to put it right out there. Ethan, we know you haven't seen the movie, but we also know you're aware 
of of pretty much what's happening. So there yes. will be some spoilers, but you should see it anyway because I don't think there's any way we could talk about this movie and spoil it because Great. it's just gorgeous. So the movie begins with a shot of a mirror and the mirror is reflecting a joyous Evelyn, Joy, and Waymond. They look like they're looking at something and laughing and and enjoying something that they're watching together as a family, perhaps karaoke. Um, oh yeah, I thought they were like singing karaoke or was it like seems, yeah. it seems like it, but they're clearly having a good time together as a family. And then the mirror shifts. And as the mirror shifts, the camera pushes in and it goes into their world. And the basis of the movie is Evelyn finds out that she has the ability to access her self in all other iterations of the multiverse. And the way you access yourself is you wear a device and you do something ridiculous because that bring that pulls your brain out of what is realistic. And then you push the button and you can access the version of you in another world that has skills you might need to use. So in one world, she's a famous, a a famous actor who does Kung Fu movies and was trained hardcore in Kung Fu. And Mm -hmm. and that was so so meta. They used shots of Michelle Yao from like actual from crazy rich Asians. There's a flash of crazy rich Asians. It's great. And there's a version of her that's a chef in like a um, Benihana style restaurant. There's a, a, a version of her who's a singer and, you know, all, all kinds of different versions of Evelyn. They're all called Evelyn Kwan. So that's that's a constant among the universes, which I find interesting because as a side note, like in this universe, I have so many names depending on, on how people knew me and what they call me. So for, for her name to be a constant among all the universes, I found to be strange, but another story for another time. Hmm. And so she has to access these skills to defeat this ultimate bad guy, Jobu Tupaki. And uh, which is great. The first time you hear the name Jobu Tupaki, the uh, Evelyn's character says, you're just making sounds up. and jobu tupaki has the ability to do all of the things that these what they call it verse jumping jumping from universe to universe so uh, all of these verse jumpers can access by doing something ridiculous and pushing a button jobu tupaki can access her other iterations without help she can do it just on her own and she's trying to destroy all of the other universes so that she can have everything. And the way she's collecting everything is now this is the device that that gets a little extra ridiculous. She's collecting it on an everything bagel, <laughs> which is not the Jewish connection. Um, but <laughs> Wait, I didn't think that she was really collecting it to destroy it. I got the sense that she was trying to find an Evelyn that she could share how banal the universe has become once she knows everything. And that's what she was looking for. I think that's what happened in part of the movie, like in the rock verse and and then at the very end, I think that's what happened, but I don't know that she knew that's what she was looking for. Hmm. Agree to disagree. Okay, fine. <laughs> um, but this is also like, 
this everything bagel. I, I love that she's like, I put everything on it. And she talks about all these things that she's put on it. And then the last three things are poppy and sesame and salt. And and um, I got the Jewish connection for the episode. It's bagels. It's, mm. <laughs> which is really funny because like I'd like to say to all of the non-Jews out there, Jews do not really believe that poppy, sesame, onion, garlic, and salt. We don't really believe that that's everything. <laughs> so... <laughs> speak um, for yourself but all right <laughs> i just i just don't think everything would taste well together so the lessons that evelyn learns as she takes on these other personas as she verse jumps is that she has to reach out to her daughter in a different way especially toward the end of the movie where waymond says you know just be nice and deal with it that way. And what, and there's this great Kung Fu scene where she's being nice to all of these verse jumpers. So like two attack her at the same time and she pulls them toward each other and they kiss and become a married couple. For one, she stops him from throwing a grenade, transforms it into a perfume bottle and sprays it on him. And he gets this joyous look on his face as we flash back to a scene where he told her that he loves the smell because it reminds him of his wife. And then the she she fights, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis. I actually don't know Jamie Lee Curtis's character's name. I just keep calling oh, her Jamie. De- Deirdre is Deirdre. Deirdre. Yeah. So she so she stops Deirdre from hitting her with a paper cutter because she says, you know, like you are enough and just gets her to freeze mid swing. So fighting with niceness is how she learns to actually start defeating them. And then Jobu Tupaki doesn't want her niceness. She wants to be left alone. Then she realizes, no, she doesn't at the very end. So the movie is where Evelyn comes to learn some lessons about herself, about her family. And if I say what I think the lessons are, I feel like I'll give away hmm. the Jewish connection that I see here. What's bagels? So, we, I think we've solved this. We talk about bagels and locks and schmear. And let's talk about how fruit flavored bagels are not bagels. Wait, hold on. I get, I get. Oh, here we go. No, no, no. It's okay. <laughs> My favorite bagel is a cinnamon raisin bagel. And I get so much slack because it's like the sweet flavor, but bagels shouldn't be sweet. Yada, yada, yada. But I love a good cinnamon raisin bagel with lox bread is my go-to. Is that not okay? Dude, lox bread? Yeah. Well, it's or, or cream cheese bagel? with lox, whatever. But the cinnamon rate, the the sweetness of the cinnamon raisin and the lox bread, I get so much slack that that is my favorite. You deserve every bit of slack that you get for no. that. <laughs> oh, no. I am totally on Michelle's side for this one. I assume. I assume I, she. I, <laughs> um, I just I'm excited that you ended on this conversation of this nice attack, and I hope that we're leaning into this topic because. It is one of my greatest strengths and my greatest weakness is just being too kind. And so it's a huge part of who I am. And so I'm going to guess because I actually have this mini scroll that I got back when I was a participant in Nifty during a program. And on the scroll, this is my guess. I'm guessing that we're tying to this text that's written on this little scroll that I got in a program in, in high school. And it says... The highest form of wisdom is kindness from the Talmud. And so that is my guess. 
amazing guess. Not the text I was going for, but it oh. absolutely works. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm shooting for a different text here, and and oh. I think it's not too far off from the concept that you're citing. I'll here. let Ethan guess, and then I'm going to make a second guess. Yeah, I I came into this conversation feeling like I was in the right ballpark. And as this conversation has gone on, I'm now pretty sure I'm off beyond the parking lot, not anywhere near the, the no, ballpark, guess, but I'm going to say it anyway. Yeah, yeah I'm gonna say it. do it. Was it, is it comparing Michelle Yeoh's character to Moses and having some responsibility, some otherworldly powers thrust upon them that then they have to navigate and handle? That's really cool. And I wish I had thought of that. But but no, <laughs> but no. <laughs> so the other text that I know ties to kindness is you can correct me on the naming. Well, it's when um, the person is sent out to find a wife and he goes to the well and he says, let me know when this person comes and we want somebody who's really kind. Uh, so not only offers me water, but offers my camel's water. That is an unnamed servant who the rabbis know as Eliezer mm-hmm. in the book of Genesis going to find a wife for Isaac. Yeah. And so on Abraham's charge, he goes to the well to find, to find a wife for Isaac. He concocts the whole code word. And she, Rebecca says exactly what he has designed in his head. Um, no, not <laughs> with so all this explanation for no. <laughs> <laughs> Are we on the right track with kindness? You're on the right track with kindness, but mm. I wouldn't stick to that word. Mm. It can't be the golden rule, can it? Treat others the way they want to be treated. Again, it's the ballpark like you're in there, but that's not what I'm hoping to. Can you can you give us a Jewish uh, charades category? <laughs> Are we Bible value? Yeah, yada, yada. I'll, I'll go more specific. Yeah, it's Torah, Torah, something in the five books of Moses. It is a Torah quote. And I'll even tell you. Can we get a book? Absolutely. I'll say Leviticus. Oh, I don't know what's in Leviticus. Mm. I know most of the other ones have like the titles are what's happening. It's actually not a help because it's a little bit left field for Leviticus, but it comes from Leviticus. I'll even tell you Leviticus chapter 19. (laughs) Wait, are we close to Yitro again? Is this going to be a follow up on Yitro? Yitro's Exodus. Oh, no. Are we talking about one of the commandments? Yes, it's a com- it's stated as a command. Yeah. Hold on. Is it one, one of, of the 10, ten or one of the 613? 613. No, oh, that's that, no help. No, that's that the whole help. thing. All right. I give. In Hebrew, it is ve'ahavta l'reacha kamocha. And for Which, Jason? And for Jason, that is love your neighbor as yourself. Mm. Very nice. The lesson that Evelyn learns throughout the movie is that she needs to... The, the whole kill it with kindness idea in order to be kind to, to these enemies, she needs to understand them and realize what it is that they need to be seen as the other, to be valued. And that's loving. And I'm also going to say love does not mean what we think it means. What do we think it means? We think when we say the word love, we English speakers and thinkers of 2023 think of romance and siblinghood and parents and children, a kind of 
connection to a person where we really like them. And that like spills over to the point where we have no choice but to call it love. So in the context of love your neighbor? In the context of the Torah, love is not romantic. It is not filial. It is not parent-child. It means something else. Is it that this is more of a verb? It is an action to love someone is to do certain things to treat them a certain way? Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't have phrased it that way myself, but yes, it is an action, but it's it's more about being loyal and obligated to a person and you know, having that loyalty, dedication. That's what ahava love is in the Torah. I love it. This is a huge I I just I'm so excited to talk about kindness because not that I I learned it more. Yeah, I'm going to say I learned it more as a parent because my wife and I try to be extremely intentional in dealing with our children in different ways that we may have been dealt with as children. Nice. And the I think some of the biggest things with how we interact with our children overcompassing is love, but broken down becomes listening, dedication, intentionality, perseverance, and patience, that all of those coming together helps to show our children what it means to treat somebody else with love. And that regardless of your relationship, that should happen everywhere. And we need to set that example for them in order for them to go out into the world and treat others in that way is make sure that we do it at home. And so I hope that our listeners can take some, if you're having listeners, if you're having a bad day right now, you've just had one of those times, you just need a moment to take a break and get away. I just want you to know that there is somebody out there who loves you, that people, the people in your life who who give you an ear uh, or some time, whether you speak to them regularly or not, I guarantee you somebody is thinking about you. And so just know that we're thinking about you. You do, you're doing a great job. Thank you also, hypothetical listener, for listening to us on your bad day, knowing that we're <laughs> going to bring you some joy. And thank you to our dozens of <laughs> listeners who we love. So if you're listening to this podcast, we love you. <laughs> now, we mean that in the English way, not in the Torah way, um, but also in the Torah way. Now, even think of the different things that you can love in this world. So like you love your spouse, God willing. You love your parents, God willing. You love your children, God willing. Your siblings, your friends, a sushi roll, uh, you know, McDonald's fries. Like there are things that you can love that don't have that feeling of dedication to it when we talk about it in English, you know, like, you know, how many times have you said, I love this movie just in recording this podcast? (laughs) Uh, And it means we like something a lot, but it doesn't mean like, you know, when we say, love your neighbor as yourself, it doesn't mean we have to be in relationship with our neighbor. It doesn't mean we have to you know, really know them and love them. It means we have to be dedicated to them. We are obligated to the entire human race as Jews. And that's what I see in the love presented in this movie in in everything, everywhere, all at once. 
And I would say that all four of the main characters, um, Evelyn, Waymond, Joy, and Deirdre, all have this need to be loved and express love in different ways. The fact that Evelyn and Deirdre are coupled in the hot dog fingers world uh, that that I loved your eyes in that <laughs> <Ethan>. one. <laughs> <laughs> For any of the listeners, you just in the hot dog fingers. Hot dog right? fingers. Yeah. That shows the that like you know the people that we're with are you know quote unquote always linked to us no matter what universe we're in, but the the need to be adversarial as an an IRS officer and a person with questionable taxes versus the the need to be a romantic couple in another universe and how those two universes seem totally disparate from one another. But there are times when people we love, people we're dedicated to are our adversaries in one way or another. And how, how wonderful would it be to just fight them with kindness and say, you know, th- th- some, some of the great quotes in this movie um, include like talking about trying to defeat Jobu Tupaki, Evelyn says, if I can beat Jobu Tupaki and all the other universes, maybe I can save my joy. Mm. And I mean, the double entendre is obvious there, but that that her daughter is her joy. In addition to being named Joy, um, she's the source of her happiness. Yeah, there's and- a lot of... Um- I totally agree that I think the the theme to pull from this is this kindness and niceness and wanting to win this battle through kindness as opposed to fighting, right? Mm-hmm. Even um, if people caught the movie at the beginning scene, when she's looking for the laundry, one bag has googly eyes on it to represent uh, Waymond. At the end of the movie, there are four bags that have googly eyes on it representing each of the four characters in the family Mm -hmm. um that now they have all found this connection through kindness and joy and happiness as opposed to feeling empty inside um i want to talk about the uh the setup of the apartment too and the and the laundromat and when the movie starts it almost seems like it's going to be a normal movie of people struggling because you could see a movie titled everything everywhere all at once just takes taking place in their in their home because it is clutter town the the table is just full of stacks of receipts the bookcase behind her has those laundry bags on top you just mentioned yeah Every shelf is stuffed to the gills. And then they go outside of the apartment and down the stairs to the laundromat. And there's like one little aisle to walk down because the stairs are full of clutter. And it doesn't have the feeling of garbage. It has the feeling of we have so much stuff and it's spilling onto the staircase. And so this feel and, and, the, and the laundromat itself laundry bags on top of the the washers and just stuff everywhere and it's even and then there's even more stuff when they have the new year's party so there's just this um, idea of evelyn and waymond have everything everywhere all the time because of the clutter in their lives because of everything they're taking on well, I, I also think it ties to uh, Jobu's want to collect everything because it feels like it's it's pointless at that sense. And that I think they were showing that through the beginning to the end of 
when you have so many things, it can feel like there's no point to it. And not necessarily in terms of organize your life, but having a better understanding of what the things in your life are purposeful for and having intentionality towards those things. Yeah. Yeah. There was something really cool the way you just framed it, RDY, as like it wasn't clutter, there's meaning behind it. And it's made me think of the moments like walking into a friend's apartment for the first time and seeing all the little trinkets that are there and knowing that most of the time that's not clutter. There's like real thought and intention and purpose behind it. There's a big difference. No, as someone who who visits people who are homebound from time to time, there is a huge difference between someone who has a lot of stuff and someone who's like a hoarder. The scenery and everything everywhere kind of toes that line because that like the pathway down the stairs a lot of of hoarders like there is one path through their house because of all the stuff that that's everywhere and, and i'm i'm talking like legitimate hoarders who have you know some sort of issue i'm not talking about people who say they're a hoarder just because they have a lot of stuff and it definitely like you know what can you get rid of and joy couldn't get rid of anything as Jobutupaki, which created this everything bagel black hole. Right. And the she's she's like Marie Condoing the universes. <laughs> that is a quote. Yeah, that's great. So as the movie develops, the beginning is clutter in the real world. The middle is clutter in Evelyn's mind and therefore in the multiverse. And then, then the clutter starts to clear, not physically, literally, although the end scene where it's mostly out in the parking lot is helpful because that's the only space that's not cluttered. Hmm. Now and, I think my Marie Kondo joke was that like they are, they're essentially getting rid of everything in their life that doesn't bring them joy, right? They are, they are Marie Kondoing. That's why Jobu was getting rid of the universe because all of it was meaningless and nothing was purposeful and it right. wasn't bringing her any happiness. So let's get rid of it. And at the end, like the things that the their marriage that was falling apart, the mother daughter relationship that was falling apart, all of these things are the things that are really brought forward out of the clutter in the end of the movie. They were recondoed the universes. I did. That's great. And at the beginning of the movie, Evelyn doesn't have the ability to say, I love you to joy. Right. And there's a moment where it looks like she's going to, you know, like, wait, don't go just yet. I have one more thing to say. And any other parent would be like, I love you drive safe. But she said, you're getting fat. Yeah. 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 And then, then at the end of the movie, she says to joy's girlfriend, you need to grow your hair out. And I'm going to jump back to in between those two quotes to go towards the end of the movie where she finally is like trying to pull. Joy says, I just need to be left alone. And at first she says, okay. And then she says, no, I'm sorry. I really do have to say one more thing. And, and she expresses her love in the most genuine way we've seen, but she still doesn't say, I love you. Well, in the movie, Joy says, my mother shows love by, you know, telling me to uh, to eat healthier and to to call her more often, these like nagging things. That's the way my mom shows love. And so now we get that interpretation through the end of the film and we read it very differently. 
Because her love is about dedication and obligation and not about sweet feelings. Yeah. Oh, I like where this conversation's going, RDY. <laughs> Good, because we've still had a couple of minutes left. Yeah. <laughs> and in that scene where where Evelyn like says the closest thing she can to I love you to Joy is right after Joy makes it abundantly clear that she does not love herself. Mm-hmm. She says to Evelyn, you know, she she knows that that Evelyn can verse jump. She knows that she's got this power. And and she says to her mom, if you can be anywhere, why do you want to be here? And she means here with me. Like, Like there are so many other better versions of the universe out there that don't have me in it. Why do you want to be with me? And that not only tells you that Joy doesn't love herself, it's also Evelyn doesn't love herself. And a lot of the angst that they have as mother-daughter is the I see me within you that I don't like. And so that's the tension. But they never lose love because they are dedicated to one another. They're obligated to one another. If if you don't care about someone, you don't tell them to lose weight. You just kind of look at them and go, oh, too bad for that person. And you walk on your way. But when you when you love someone, you you say, you know, hey, let's do something together that's healthy. Let's go for a walk. Um, and and you involve yourself in that. And sometimes it, you know, as someone who struggles with weight, um, sometimes when my loved ones say that to me, it it hits okay. And sometimes it hits as an insult. Well, so- I think I think there's um Right. For me also, who's trying to gain control a little bit, my my wife will sometimes because we've talked about it, will say, you know, oh, like, oh, I think I'll order this. Well, I you know, you've had that already, you know, yesterday. Do you think maybe you should get something else? We can have it again next week, like a very kind way of saying it. I, but I think it pulls to a larger conversational piece of there's there's a teaching I've done for community development, leadership development, like for conferences and things, talking about the three threes of relationship building is what I call it. And one of them is the sort of the basis of any good relationship is this triangle of communication, trust, and respect. Mm. And if any one of those three pillars falls, the relationship is gone. And so in this in this movie, they had communication. And I think there was a trust, but there wasn't really a respect going back and forth because of the way that things were being delivered. And so the relationship fell apart. But mm-hmm. by the end of the movie, that piece was back because of the different types of communication they were having. And th- this goes for any type of relationship, your spouse, your kids, your supervisor, your colleagues, uh, neighbor, whatever. I challenge you, listener, or RDY and Ethan, if you have relationships that you think are struggling for whatever reason, right? I, I, you had said earlier, uh, kill them with kindness or fight them with kindness. I struggle with that a little bit because I don't think there should be this opposition piece in there. I think you genuinely want to fix, you, you generally have to want to fix the relationship as opposed to thinking I'm going to beat them at being better at being nice. there's got to be an understanding and most people don't view themselves as the villain i bet the other person you're struggling with also wants the relationship to be better figure out which one of those pieces is missing and work on that and i've done it a lot of times and it works and you know whether it be more frequent meetings with your boss or whether it be 
allowing somebody to make a decision instead of micromanaging, whatever it is, figure out which one of those three things is missing. And I, I, I bet you that your relationship will improve. Yeah. Makes me think of a song from crazy ex-girlfriend. Uh, I'm a good person. <laughs> and that it's, it's not a competition about being a better person. That's not what it's about. It's not about bludgeoning someone else and being the best at being kind. Yeah. It's a, it's a good point, Brock. And I think it's also, I love that. And Barack, I think what you said was beautiful. And I think there's also the idea of remembering that love does not mean nice all the time. Right. Uh, And we all know from Disney's Aladdin that you can't force people to love. Not even genie can make someone love. And yet in the Hafta, it says, you shall love Adonai, your God. Like this is part of our Shema, part of our, our creed. Well, God, I would say God's more powerful than a genie. I would also say God's more powerful than a genie, but I don't <laughs> think God is commanding us to love God romantically. I, oh, think, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I think God is commanding us to be loyal. So maybe God's a genie. Maybe God's a genie. Um, this idea of being dedicated, loyal, it is not dissimilar to Fiddler on the Roof's famous song, Do You Love Me? Mm-hmm. Where oh, Golda, yeah. yeah. Golda says, for 25 years, I've washed your clothes, cooked your meals, cleaned your house, given you children, milked the cow. After 25 years, why talk about love now? And then later she says... At, for 25 years, I've lived with him, fought with him, starved with him. 25 years, my bed is his. If that's not love, what is? So all of that is true. The wash your clothes, clean your house, milk the cow, fought with him, starved with him, lived with him. All of that is love, the positive and the negative, because it's all dedication. I love this. I, <laughs> Fred, we just, I love Um I just think the overall concept and I right, I had this quote, the highest form of wisdom is kindness. I think it does relate. I think this ties in very closely to this. And already why you can you can help clarify this. Everybody gives that quote from the Talmud. But whenever I try to search for that quote, I never find the wording from the like, I think just the concept has been pulled out and people have paraphrased. Maybe it was a midrash or a um, one of the rabbis had stated this is what these all mean. But there's so many concepts and instances in Judaism where we're instructed and we're led by example of how to be kind to somebody or how to treat other people with gimilut hasadim, acts of love and kindness, that all of those pieces together, that is what I think this means, right? In the movie, right, their world got better because they were able to feel this and understand this difference of, of how to you know, love each other. Mm-hmm. And I I hope that the world can head in this direction where we can all learn to love each other in this way with all these different acts and behaviors towards each other, whether we agree or disagree on things. Discuss deep. I'm sorry. You can <laughs> I'm what, sorry. what happened I, to loving Barack? It is loving. <laughs> I <laughs> I, I, this is, I think it's a big thing for me. I think it's why I'm like, so I was very excited when I I had an epiphany this morning of the recording and was like, oh, this movie is about kindness. We're going to talk about kindness. And I'm so happy we are. And I just, 
it's something that surrounds my life and it helps me in a lot of different areas. And so I was excited that I realized that this movie digs into that outside of the whole bagel concept. <laughs> so you cited the quote on your desk, but you, but it, does it say where in the Talmud that it's from? Cause no, it says Hagiga 2002 Histi, which was Hagiga the- <laughs> 2002 what? Histi was the name of the youth group that held this event. Okay. Cause Hagiga. It was an arts kala. It was the Hagiga was the arts kala for Niftiger okay. back in the day. Okay. So <laughs> there's no quote. Yeah. I think, I, I think it is not directly from the Talmud, but if you Google the phrase. Yeah. It comes it, up as the Talmud. It's everybody from the Talmud, but yeah. that's like, I think it's more like Ben Franklin. Like if, if someone says that Ben Franklin says something, he probably didn't really say it unless yeah. it's, unless it's also cited where he says it. Well, that's what I'm saying is that whenever I, in the years I've had this and I've tied myself to this quote, I think it's wonderful. Then whenever I go searching for it, it always comes up as dash the Talmud. And I think it became something that people have interpreted because of the rabbis taking these lessons separately, right? There's, we don't. We could dive into if you have any other text, Rabbi. But the so many instances of the ways that people are instructed to be kind, overpowering them through intelligence or brute force. That that kindness is always seems the way. I am going to say though, I don't think kindness is the message in this movie. Okay. I think I was giving you kindness because it's related to love. But I think it's love in the sense the Torah means love. I see what you're saying. That love doesn't always mean being nice. But love means really understanding the other, really seeing what the other person needs. There's an example that that happens in the movie of someone doing something that that person likes, but most of us would not like it. And I'm not going to, it's a little bit of an adult thing, so I'm not going to say exactly what it is. But what is love to one person is not the same as it is to another person, but dedication, obligation, loyalty. I think that's what Ahava is really all about. Do right. Well, I oh, go ahead, Ethan. Go ahead. Yeah. What What do you think then about the concept of tough love, knowing that all of us here either have kids or in a professional career that involves working with kids, mom and dad, I'm in the second category. Um, <laughs> are your mom and dad part of our dozens of listeners? I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> my, I don't uh, think my mom is, but I know her husband is. So hi, Lenny. <laughs> I, you know, like I, I think about working with kids and like, sometimes there is this mentality of like, it takes tough love sometimes. And certainly as I think about my career and the different ways which I've worked with young people, sometimes you have to have those hard conversations and there have been some folks, and, and I can think of some young people in particular, for whom the conversation is very hard for me because I did love them, but they 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 had to learn from a mistake, and it was my role as the adult to have that hard conversation with them. Yeah, that's so tough. I'm glad you said this was, I was going to say something very similar to this, is that equally as difficult as it is to define the word love for this conversation... I think, right, RDY, you had said that sometimes we we can't be nice and you had said tough love. I think both of those phrases, nice and tough love, I think both of them can also be equated to different people to mean different things. Because when I, I don't picture either of those as rude or mean or malintentioned, right. but some other people interpret tough love as like, 
well, I've got to take everything they own away so they can learn a lesson. I don't think that's tough love. I think it ties back to the conversation a little bit of being able to communicate properly and help them understand as opposed to, you know, maybe sugarcoating something that just because it might seem unpleasant, right? I I think if you're pushing them uncomfortably, but comfortably out of their zone just a little bit to help them learn the situation. I've someone once said they appreciate the phrase expanding someone's comfort zone rather than putting them outside of someone's comfort zone. Yeah. Yeah. I like to make people comfortably uncomfortable. So I think that sits in that. I had a conversation with my, my son who is my middle child and is he one of our listeners? No, probably not. Um, Cause he, he, only if it's on in the car while, while we're driving together, but you know, he, he gets enough of me. Um, oh, my kids love my, my two-year-old's like Torah mash. Oh, oh yeah. It's, I will tell you that, that when they get older, you know, if you want, when, as a father, let me say that if you want someone to greet you with love and joy, every time you walk in the door, get a dog. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so my middle child, Alexander, um, said to me relatively recently when comparing himself with his siblings said that, I know you're really strict and I know that that's a way of showing love and I can handle it when you ask us to do stuff. And he was saying it in a way that like, you know, one of the, the other siblings gets very sensitive when asked to do something. And so he was expressing that he knows it. And I think that kind of wisdom from him that he can see tough love and acknowledge it as what it is, as opposed to me trying, you know, I, when it comes to chores, I'm the one who deals with the chores. So when I say, okay, you got to do this better, I think he knows for sure that I feel the same way about my own chores, that I try to do the best I can when I'm doing stuff around the house. So that kind of tough love, I think I I feel like I do tough love well and that I need to work on doing tender love. Hmm. <laughs> well, I, I think it's such a close comparison. There's such a fine line, I think, between the two, if you're doing them right, that letting them understand that, you know, we brushing our teeth is important because hygiene is is good to make sure that we have our, this the teeth that we want when we get older and even though they're baby teeth we're practicing and so it's good to practice personal <laughs> hygiene so that you can have really strong and healthy teeth don't you want to have strong and healthy teeth right there's a there i think there's a fine balance between tough love and tender love because what you're doing is you're helping to make sure that the people you are interacting with whether they be two-year-old teenager boss that all of them are continuing to interact in the world in a very positive manner that, yeah, that this kindness love message is how we just shouldn't be interacting. And that if you put it out in the world, I think you have a much higher likelihood of it coming back to you. Absolutely. And I know that we're getting close to the end, but I, rather than ask this as a question to be answered, um, I would just say to the two of you and to our listeners to take a moment to think about the things that you love in your life and whether that's other people, other things, and, you know, animals, plants, what have you places, we can let that love be expressed in a variety of different ways 
But the best way to do it, I think, is to really, especially when it's another person, listen and let them know that we understand where they're coming from and we care about them as people. Awesome. That's, I think it's a great message. I love it. Thanks. <laughs> Can I also say something that I really enjoyed well, that I loved in this movie is no. that. No, I can't. Okay, then never mind. That'll no. do it. No, <laughs> That's our here's what I really loved is that, you know, often a hero in a movie is somebody, and especially in these like thrown into superhero scenarios, which we'll call this movie, is they are seen as like nothing. And the reason that this Evelyn worked, I loved this concept, is because she had made so many of the decisions that put her in a place where she didn't have any of the things that she could ever do. She was such a basic non-skilled person that because of that, it made her the perfect choice because all of her other iterations around her had these possibilities for her to pull from instead of being this person who had made this choice where she become famous or popular or skilled in whatever area, because she was in this, like in the, the epitome of basic normal she had the skills to be able to grab anything else that was possible because of all of the choices that she had made leading yeah. her to that point. I thought it was genius. There's a mm. moment where Wayman says to her, I think he's at the moment he at that, at this particular moment I'm describing, I think he's alpha Wayman. Alpha Wayman is the character in the universe that discovered how to verse jump. So that's the particular iteration of Waymond. So he says something to the effect of the reason you're the one is because you try and stop all of these things yeah. because you're not good at any of them. And so that empty vessel aspect of her, I think is what, uh, again, just like you're, you're saying, I totally agree. Yeah. There were so many, there was some genius writing in this movie. Um, yeah right of her irs receipt she had a karaoke machine and she had this other thing for cooking all of the skills that she hoped to have became receipts that she was trying to claim for her business because she wants to be those people but she's not those people it's just it was so well done so well done also something to watch when you're watching the movie the first time ethan or in another round circles yeah there are a lot of everywhere and i noticed it more you, you mean liter- literal circles literal, literal circles to represent like the bagel the bagel yeah oh that's smart and the the mirror that i mentioned that starts at the beginning of the movie is a circular mirror mm. so you're looking in you're looking into the circle from the very beginning of the movie can i i i want to add as we wrap up one more thing the juxtaposition of this it was a black bagel with a white hole Mm-hmm. And the balance of that, of like everything being meaningless and destroying it to the googly eye of a white circle with a black hole nice. being this yin yang oh. opposite of like the kindness and the love and the joy that they need to get to of that. And that is how she wins as she like turns bullets into googly eyes and all this other fun stuff, like changing this hate and this destruction into this symbolism of joy and happiness. Loved it. I don't think we can get any better than that. So I think I think <laughs> that'll do it. So much. Awesome. Well, that'll do it for this episode of Taurus Smash. 
Our fiscal sponsor is Jewish Creativity International. Our theme music was created by Sean Fogel. You can check out Sean's bands and studio work at www.thesleepywest.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to rate and review us wherever you listen. It helps others find us and is an excellent way to support the podcast. We want to hear from you and continue today's nerdy discussion. Go to torahsmash.com to find where to connect with us online, purchase swag from our store, support us with a donation, find previous episodes, and more. And to paraphrase Cher Horowitz from Clueless, this podcast was like some sort of alternate universe. I've been stuck imagining Michelle Yeoh playing Moses now for like the last two minutes. And it's, it's very fun.